Welcome to the Maverick House podcast. Today we're speaking to Paul White, the author of Harold the Boys, a dystopian novel set in the flooded Ireland of the future. Paul, welcome to the show. Can I ask you a first question? What inspired you to write Harold the Boys and can you outline the story? Uh, well, thanks for having me, first of all. Um, but yeah, Harold the Boys, what inspired me? Well, a few things inspired me. Um, one thing was uh, a camping trip when I was young. Uh, I spent a lot of time in the Glen of Arlo. My dad is from there, uh, down in Tipperary. And I very distinct memory of mine is uh, we went camping in the Glen. And, you know, we walked the roads up towards a, a point called Christ the King. And I remember, you know, growing up, we had these books, these uh, encyclopedias. I don't know where they came from. I'd say they were one of the only books bought in the house growing up. Um, but it had these pictures of Rio de Janeiro, um, of Christ the Redeemer. And I just remember standing there at about 12 years of age, uh, as, as is in the book. There's a huge, there's a big statue on Christ King, which kind of slightly resembles, uh, the same statue in Rio. And I just remember looking out and just kind of imagining, uh, the Glen below being all flooded. So that was just a kind of a small image that I had in my head for years and years and years. Um, and then later in life, when I started writing, I, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of speculative fiction, science fiction. And I wanted to, I had been doing a couple of stories that were more, I guess, broader. And I wanted, I really wanted to do something set in Tipperary because I thought there was a, you know, the, the, particularly the, the, the dialogue um, of, uh, of Tipperary and how the, the, the kind of colloquial language is used is something that was kind of sorely missing in that genre. Um, so I went back and found that image in the back of my brain somewhere. As well as that, there was, a, uh, there was, some, there was some protests happening at the time down in Tipperary uh, called a March for Tip where, you know, residents were kind of saying, look, the, the government has sort of forgotten about us. So this sort of mixed with that image and these favela towns and obviously the impending climate crisis kind of all merged into one in my mind. And I wanted to, I said, right, well, look, what's, what's my favorite sort? If I, if I had to write, if someone put a gun to my head and said, I want you to write something based in, in Tipperary, what would you do? And I, and I just had this image of a, of a, of a nice tight 90 minute thriller. Um, one of these ones that you, you know, you, you I, I always say this, but if you're, you know, you're watching television on a, on a, on a true romance is one that, that, that pops into my head, a film I, I, I had heard of, but never watched. And then one night I was watching it, you know, when I was whatever, 17 or 18 and I was on television and you just, I, I just couldn't believe how good it was at the time. Um, so I wanted that kind of, like the reader to be left with that kind of a feeling. I wanted it to, to be uh, an Ireland of the future. I wanted climate change to be, uh, an aspect of it, but I didn't want to be preaching about it. I just want to kind of want to show the reality of it. And maybe, you know, that, that, that startling image alone would, would kind of, would speak for itself. And I wanted it to be rooted in um, Tipperary. So the premise of the story is uh, these three characters live on a settlement on Christ the King, um, which is above the Glen. So, I, I imagine the, I guess the people, residents from the Glen, the Glen over time kind of migrated up to the high ground and created this sort of favela town. And these locals, um, you know, they have a very, you know, uh, 
hand-to-mouth, month-to-month, week-to-week existence. But they've cobbled together these sort of um, these sort of bespoke economy. Uh, and a lot of what they do is they, they go down into the Glen and mine the old world for scrap, for uh, any sort of resources they can get their hands on. Uh, and once a year as well, what I refer to in the book is the leak happens, where it's sort of a tidal system that drags more stuff in. So every year is a kind of a, a certain period of time that you can kind of go down and hopefully find something to, you know, flog and maybe make a couple of quid to get you through the the, the months ahead. Um, so that's kind of what the, the world that we're kicking off in. In the story, uh, Ram, Lazy, and Breen are three friends, waiters, as they call themselves. Uh, they've just gotten a job offer to help uh, help lay fibre down the glen to try and bring some semblance of inter- internet to the to these residents. Um, but that doesn't start till August, so they have two months uh, to do a bit of work. So they said they're going to take one last wade down into the glen. Um, and when they go down there, uh, we you know things don't go according to plan, and uh, our adventure kind of unplays itself over that over that ninety minute thriller movie feeling. Tell I think us, that explains it. Tell us about the characters. Are they based on people you knew? So there's lot. There's actually a couple of characters in there that that are based on people uh, I know or stories that I'd heard. I was thinking about this this morning. So the main characters, Ram, Lazy, and Breen. Um, there's a huge. You know, uh, growing up, there was a big Italian um, sort of thread in in Tipperary town. Um, be it uh, you know the, the the owners of the of, of local restaurants. Uh, and just people I went to school with. For some reason, there was always you know, Italian people there. So I kind of I, I knew I wanted to have that element there. Ram himself, um, no, uh, but I knew that uh, I was I, I was really interested in the team of adaptation uh, for this story. And you know, Ram uh, has a physical disability. Um, uh, he, he's missing his right arm. So I wanted to see what it was like for someone with a physical ability to adapt to the environment. And that played into some of the other teams that, that play out through it. One story from the book that, that again, I was thinking about this morning, that, and I hadn't really kind of put, it's only when you think about these things, I guess, that they kind of pop back into your head. But uh, at one, very early in the story, the boys go to a location called Nursery, which is sort of a, a small market that's, that's deep into the to the flood. It's kind of raised on pounded earth, and it's two two um, grain silos painted yellow and blue, and there's hollowed out, and there's a pub in there called the, the Vogue. Um, and in there, Ram speaks to a priest, and the priest kind of the priest is just something traumatic has has, has happened, and, and the priest has had to give someone their last rites. And the talk that he gives Ram around kind of the admin of the afterlife. Uh, about the hundred years that have happened after um, the Book of Revelations happened, and you're brought back and you're judged, and you don't actually go to heaven, you go to paradise, and God stays in heaven. This that interaction comes from uh, twenty years ago, actually, and I know it was twenty years ago because we were doing it um, about six months before nine uh, eleven happened. I was uh, working on a project in Kilkenny um, that I'd been. Uh, that I've been acting in actually um, and we were filming on a farm and I was uh, the, the, the lady who, who who owned the farm I remember one evening we were just sitting there having tea and it was dark and she was talking about her, her husband had passed away and how upset she had been when the priest came and explained the hundred years to her and explained all the admin of the afterlife to her and you know 
that stuck in my mind for 16 years until I sat down and wrote the book. Um, the main, I guess, antagonist of the story um, is based somewhat on, I guess, a person I knew who was very, very into Cromwell for some reason. Um, so when he starts quoting bits and pieces from the siege of Prada uh, and bits and pieces like that, I guess that's sort of uh, inspired by him. Um, and I guess, I guess the trauma that the guys go through in general is sort of indignant of, you know, I've had friends growing up who, um, you know, had severe mental health issues and kind of walked into the Glen and never came back. So that, that I hope answers your question. So yeah, they are based, they're, they're more based on ideas and fragments of people than they are on specific people in general. Did it take you long to write Harrow the Boys? Um, it took me actually not that long. It took me about, I'd say four to five months over the winter of 2016. Um, you know, I have a very vivid memory of writing it because it was a very wet winter and that really suited me. I have a, I have a bit, maybe a half an hour, 40 minutes, uh, walk from, I guess, uh, from where I work to my house and it was dark. It was raining. I had a backpack on. Um, and I can remember over that period of time, uh, the walk in particular, mulling over, listening to music. Music is very important to me, I guess, in, in, in my writing process. So listening to music, imagining what was happening, um, and then getting home that night, having the dinner, putting the kids to bed, and, and sitting down and getting, and, and you know, foostering with notes on my on my phone on the walk home, stopping, writing a note, continuing on, listening to a piece of music. That happened over about six months, so it did happen quite quickly. I, I, I really do enjoy writing these sorts of stories, um, and if I, I know it's going to be quick when I can't stop thinking about it. If I become obsessed with it, if I'm thinking about it before bed, if I'm living it out, if I'm picking pieces of music to go along with scenes, they'll generally happen. It'll, it'll generally come out quite quick. And then the editing process then, I mean, it took, uh, it took another two years of tipping away and getting bits of it edited until um, you guys picked it up. And then even then it was, it was you know, uh, tweaked more and more. So initial draft, six months, bits and pieces. Then over the years, we, we tipped away and got it to where it is now. Do you have more books in development? Yeah, so I have the sequel to Harrow. Um, I'm tipping away at the moment. It's already, you know, it's already hitting the hundred thousand word mark. Um, when Harrow is much, you know, Harrow is about thirty, thirty-five thousand words. So uh, I'm tipping away with that. And I have another novel. Um, I guess for the sequel to Harrow, uh, it's weird. Uh, you know, we just wrote a, a piece on climate change, and uh, the majority of what I've learned, the the horrors, came after Harrow when I learned how bloody. You know how 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 almost conservative <laughs> my my predict well they're not weren't really predictions I guess but my 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 narrative is for what could be the logical endpoint of of the climate crisis. Um, so I'm spending a lot of time researching that. The, the 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 second novel is much much like it's a wider look at the world of Harrow. Harrow is very contained and um, within its world, which was on purpose. I kind of wanted it to be like um, some of the other nicer sci-fi. Uh, elements of, of, of pieces like Battle Royale and and, and, uh, and films like that. But this is a much more wider view of, you know, what caused this crisis? What's the next 
evolution uh, of of the human race. Like, where where can we go from here? The next book is all about logical endpoints and parasites and uh, and 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 the the the, the wider the, the the broader strokes of what caused this. It's also going to answer some of the questions left a little bit uh, ambiguous at the end of the first novel, uh, although it has a very defined ending. There is one tiny little thread. There's a couple of tiny little threads that readers might not even realize um, are major aspects of, 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 the, of the sequel. Uh, the, the, the other book is a book based in 1979 in Tipperary Town. It's a, it follows a young girl um, with mental health issues who uh, effectively uncovers a uh, a child abuse ring and she does it almost accidentally and with the help of a young traveler boy is going to take this traveler this this um this ring of bad guys down uh, and that'll once i finish harrow i'm about halfway through both well I'm, I'm more than halfway through the the, the sequel to harrow well well over halfway but once that's finished i'm going to finish that so hopefully i'll have two in the next year i'll have two big projects to uh try and flog it Okay, well, I'd like to thank Paul for giving us his time today. Harrow the Boys is available from all good bookshops. It's also available from Amazon, and signed copies are available from maverickhouse.com. Thank you, Paul.